welcome to the Portland Christian Center podcast. This week, we will hear from guest speaker, Dr. John Easter, on Together in Missions. Now here is Dr. John. Well, good morning. It is great to be at PCC. I tell you, Portland Christian Center has been such an incredible rock for Cheryl and me and our family over the years of your support. And of course, is a ministry that we led for so long called Africa's Hope over the last decade. And uh, incredible years of being able to uh, see just us move from about 46 Bible schools and training programs to over 382 as of today, with 23,000 students annually that are in those programs. Isn't that a marvelous thing? And just to see the gospel advanced with these frontline church plants and uh, how incredible that's been. And you've been such a big part of that. Today, I am so honored to be with so many other missionaries who are here in organizations that you support. And this morning, my task is really to remind us about the significance of what God has called us to do And at the end of this service, and for all of you who are watching online, for us to have the opportunity to once again commit ourselves and our families to be able to say, Lord, what is it that you would speak to our hearts and have a step forward to do over the next year in order to ensure that we are supporting our missions efforts that flow as a vision from PCC both across the street and around the world. And for me, many times as I've traveled around the world and I've, I've put a lot of air miles on this body for a guy that doesn't like airplanes. And what's interesting is, is I'm often asked, John, in your current role, what is it? I mean, what is it that truly motivates you to do what you do on a daily basis? I'd like to speak to all of us this morning about mission and motive. What is it that should truly motivate you and me to align our lives, to align our attitudes, the affections of our heart, our energies, the decisions that we make, our finances. What is it that should motivate us to truly position ourselves with what God is doing redemptively around the world? What's interesting is, is that throughout the centuries, Theologians have often referred to a concept that is embedded within scripture that's very, very important. In Latin, they refer to it as the imago Dei, which means the image of God. And so profound is this image that you can find it threaded from Genesis to Revelation, and primarily you discover it when God calls his people to action. And it emerges with force and power What's interesting is, is that this is a concept that continues to speak about the intrinsic worth of every human person. The problem, however, is, is that even though it inspires us, it touches our heart, it motivates us in so many ways, we end up leaving moments like we have this morning and online where our hearts are raptured and we are reminded about God's redemptive work both in our lives and in others, but we end up leaving these environments and moving into a world where we end up looking at a world where that image many times, in fact oftentimes, is difficult to discern. 
because that image has now been marred and twisted. It has been bent to the point in which what God originally intended because of our rebellion and sin is difficult at this point to see. And if we are not careful, if you are not careful and I am not careful, what we know to be true theologically, what we know to be biblical truth can oftentimes be superseded by the emotions that we have as we engage a world where that image has been bent and twisted and been wounded and marred. And if we then are not careful, our hearts will be jaded to the very world that God calls us to reach. So what is it that should truly motivate you and me and all of us here this morning and for those of you watching online? I would say that there are three primary. And the first one is what I like to call value. Value. You see, if it's true, I mean really true, that every single person who's made in God's image, every man, every woman, every child, that means that all of us are the object of his love and desire to redeem and to restore that broken image back into what God intended in the first place. It means that no matter your nationality or ethnicity, your geographical location, the language that you speak, your gender, your age, what you've done for good in life or bad in life, and whether you even acknowledge that God exists, and even if he does, does he even know that I exist? You see, value reminds us that every single person is the object of God's love and desire to restore that brokenness back into his intended glory. Hallelujah. Value then becomes the lens of how we view the world as God views it. Value. Because what I've learned is, is what God loves, I must love. And what God values, the church must value. Value. But if value is important, the second may be more so. And I like to call this capacity. You see, if it's really true, man, I mean really true, that every single person is made in the image of God and therefore they're the object of his love and desire to restore that brokenness back into what he originally intended, then it also means that every single person, no matter who they are, have been designed by God to have the ability, the capacity to respond to his grace and be transformed by it. That means no matter my nationality or ethnicity, my cultural domain or the language that I speak, my gender, my age, what I've done for good in life or bad in life, because I'm made in his image and you are made in his image. We have within us the capacity to say yes to the gospel, yes to his grace and forever be changed by it. You see, then that means that no matter whether I speak Tumbuko or Tonga or whether I happen to speak Afan Oromo or Kiswahili, or Lingala, or Arabic. Whether I find myself walking the dusty trails of Dodoma, Tanzania, or finding myself in a village hut in a place called Salima, Malawi, or I end up 
finding myself kneeling in a mosque in Tehran, Iran, or walking through the sky rises in downtown Chicago, or find myself driving to church this morning around the Portland area. Because I'm made in his image and you are made in his image, we have been built with this capacity to authentically respond to his grace and redemptively be changed by it, by his love. Hallelujah. You see, and that's what value and capacity do. I mean, come on, let's just put our cards on the table this morning. I mean, if you didn't really believe in capacity, man, why would you be here? I mean, why turn on the lights? Why go through all of the motions? Why would we have a faith promise at the end of the service for us to truly be able to pray and discern what God wants us to do and collectively as a church be able to ensure that the gospel is advancing? I mean, without capacity, it's just a roll of the dice, right? It's by happenstance, accident. I mean, perhaps you can come to Christ, but we're not so sure about you. Perhaps you can, but your background's questionable. We're not sure about your pedigree. See, what happens is if we don't believe in capacity, then there will be self-limitations we impose upon ourselves as to how much we will involve ourselves in other people's lives. But if I truly believe in capacity, then I'm willing to walk across the street. I'm willing to share my testimony on the factory floor. I'm willing to embody the values of the kingdom day in and day out in order to be able to really make an impression upon the community in which I live. I'm willing then to give sacrificially well beyond what the average person who doesn't understand is able to give. I'm willing to go to my knees in prayer and intercede for people. It is why we end up going to places like Calcutta and feeding and holding children in our arms as we do because we believe in capacity. It's why we train nationals to be able to go into places that are very resistant to the gospel and why we send our own sons and daughters into those places in order to plan a church that can be life-giving to a community that has never known the love of Christ. Capacity changes everything everything you see capacity allows us the boldness it allows us the confidence to be able to engage a world that's broken and volatile and wounded and unpredictable because we believe that God has designed every person to have value and the capacity to respond to his love and be changed forever capacity See, capacity then drives me beyond what I'm usually willing to do. It allows me to break out of my comfort zone, to be able to question my priorities, and to make better decisions as I align my life with what he is most concerned about. I want to introduce you to a student of mine I can't show you his face because it would put his life in danger. And for those of you watching online, perhaps you can see the photo. But within this group of men, this was a cohort that began several years ago. And among them to the side in which you cannot see is another individual who after coming to a school that Cheryl and I had established and ended up growing into a large campus with several hundred students today, what was interesting is, is that this particular student ended up demonstrating what it really meant to believe in capacity. 
During those years, we had students from all over the continent of Africa. And out of the 54 countries and nation states and the islands that make up that vast continent of 1.3 billion, this particular student, well, he did not originate from Africa. But he decided to come, he wanted an accredited degree, and boy, he was in love with Jesus, he loved life and wanted to share his testimony, but had no ability to have access to good quality theological training at an institution that was recognized, so he made the trip, and for three years he lived on the continent. Applying himself, he seemed to excel. He knew two or three languages. He was, he was making great grades. He applied himself. He was good relationally. And after those three years, he decided to go back home after graduating. And from time to time, he would text me or call me and keep me updated as to what was happening in his life. And within the first year, he had decided in returning home to be reunited with his wife and two children. He was only able to see them occasionally during his academic studies. It was a great sacrifice. He was with his mother and father and extended family. And at the end of that year, he decided that God was calling him to be able to plant a church for the very first time in the very northern part of this country that he was from, the country of Pakistan. And they ended up going to this train depot, having a moment of prayer with their friends and believers and getting in this train depot. He ended up climbing with his wife and two children on this train and went three hours to the north into this region where at that time, statistically, we had no data, no data as to whether there were any viable churches within the midst of these tribal groups. Highly resistant, very volatile. And by foot, After arriving three hours later, they ended up walking remotely into this area, asking permission by tribal chiefs to live among them. They were given permission, but they were marginalized and persecuted, held with suspicion. And yet over two years, they began to nurture relationships and testify about the love of Jesus. And with at the end of those two years, over 200 men and women and children had come to a decision to follow Jesus Christ. They were establishing this church, they were nurturing that church, and I remember that during that time reports would come and it was exhilarating. Being in Miami at a missions conference not long ago, I was leaving there and when I was leaving, I was headed to the airport in an Uber. I was going to transport all the way back to Malawi to teach a new class of master students And my phone began to buzz and I looked down at it and a thread of emails began or text messages began to come in. It was from another student of mine who happened to be within this cohort that you're not able to see his face, who today is still in the Middle East, said, Dr. Easter, you should know. And as my my heart went from joy to being despondent, What had happened is is that in the Sunday before that very week where I was in Miami, all of a sudden we had learned that men within that larger regional area had assembled very angry at the, the believers who had come to faith in Christ, some of them among their family members, and they decided just to interrupt a Sunday service and came in and they took our friend, we'll call him Riaz, and put him on his back in front of his people and without explanation began to drag him by his legs out in front of this old lean-to of a building where they were having church services. 
And the people were so despondent, so overcome with fear, they just began to run for their lives, no one intervening, too afraid to intervene. Really, there was nothing they could have done based on the reports. And without explanation, they took Riaz, threw him in the middle of that, that old dirt road in the middle of this building and began to kick him and punch him, beat him until he began to fall to the ground. And on the ground, they continued to kick and beat him until he began to bleed. And that blood began to mix with that dirt and then cake on his body and they continued to beat him until he wasn't moving anymore and after their anger began to spill over and dissipated they began to go back to their regional areas and only two two of the men that he had brought to Christ and led to Jesus had the courage to go out and retrieve his body thinking they would bury him but when they bowed down they found that he was still breathing and one of the men put Riaz on his shoulder and those two men tried to go undetected back to that same train depot several kilometers away that had brought Riaz's family there in the first place others brought his wife and two children and they accompanied him three hours down to a very large city in the south. And there he stayed in the hospital for several months. And when he was released, within one week, one week of being released, he ended up having prayer with his extended family again, took his wife, his two baby girls, climbed back on that train, went three hours back to the north and by foot walked right back into that village where they are still there to this day. And I've had people say, John, why would Riaz do that? I mean, was he emotionally okay? And I said, well, this is what he told me. He said, John, he said, if we can go into that village where Jesus had never been known and within two years lead over 200 people to Jesus, he said, perhaps if we go back and give our lives there, perhaps the whole village will come to Jesus. Amen. Capacity. You see, capacity allows us to be able to make decisions about how we represent Christ in our communities with confidence, not arrogance. For you to be able to cross the road within your neighborhood, to be able to share your own testimony with people that you work with or within your school. No matter who you are, your background, to understand that every single person, no matter who they are or how jaded they seem to be to your Jesus, have already been designed, even though they may not be aware with it, to be able to have the ability to receive God's grace and to be radically transformed. Capacity. But you see, a value and capacity are important. The third is what it's all about. And I like to call this significance. Significance. You see, if it's true that every single person is made in the image of God and therefore they are the object of his love and desire to save in order to, to transform and heal that brokenness, and therefore every single person has built within them the capacity to authentically receive his grace and be transformed by it, that it also means that every single person has been intended by God to have significance, not just in this life, the life thereafter, but in this life. In other words, it's not just what you have been saved from, it's what you have been saved for. That God has saved you for an intended purpose. 
not only to receive his grace and be changed by his grace, but to be a giver of his grace. Let me illustrate it by introducing you to a friend of mine. In this picture, you'll end up seeing someone that I'm praying for and also two individuals who become close to my heart. One of them is shrouded. It's very difficult to see his face. His home for the last, well, since he's been born, was about 40 miles from the Somali border and about 10 miles outside of the city of Diradawa, somewhere where Pastor Bill has been. It's a place that's very volatile. It's a place that is very spiritually broken and dark. It's a dangerous place. What's interesting about this man is, is that he was raised as an Oromo Muslim. The man beside him ended up coming to faith in Christ as a young boy. And these two individuals ended up having two different narratives, two different storylines as they grew up in this village area. One coming to Christ, one becoming a religious Islamic imam. What was interesting about this is, is that as they grew up, our friend in the blue shirt ended up becoming the evangelism director for the church in Ethiopia. And knowing that his family was from this particular area, ended up deciding not long ago to take a trip down into this region to visit his aging parents. And when our other friend, this imam, heard that he was coming, decided he was going to send a message to anyone in the village that might end up converting to Christ, and when our evangelistic friend ended up coming to the village for no other intended purpose but to be able to visit his parents and extended family to check on their well-being, this individual had other men that he had assembled for the purpose of putting this evangelism director to death. And when he ended up approaching that area, these men surrounded him without warning, without explanation, began to hurl rocks and insults and planned to be able to hurt him to the point in which they could catch him and beat him in front of his family, sending that message to the community. But in the middle of that chaos, in the midst of the violence, our imam ended up having this overwhelming sense of panic and instead of continuing to yell at the evangelism director, ended up yelling at the very men that he had assembled to carry out this act. And then without warning or even preparing the other men that he had brought himself to carry out the act, turned around and started running to the other side of the village where he came to his own place of his own family and wife, climbed into his boma without speaking to anyone in the midst of the heat of the day and in his anger, he said, I ended up going into this, this vision or a dream, he said to me, I do not know. But he said, what I do know is that I ended up encountering, I ended up encountering someone. He said, I ended up encountering Isa, the name for Jesus. And he said, and in that dream, I was so traumatized that when I woke up, I crawled out on my hands and knees and put my, my face in the dirt. And when I finally composed myself, I stood up and ran across the other side of the village to find out if our evangelism director was still there. And he said, I was fearful that he was afraid of what had just transpired and has running for his life and had already departed but I found him there. I found him there still meeting with his mother and father and I fell down at his feet and begged his forgiveness, explained why we were acting out the way we were and then I stood up and I said to him, now teach me more about this Isa. And on that day, well, our imam was led to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
But the story doesn't stop. You see, what happened is, is that on the day that you see me there praying for him, he was sharing this very testimony with me along with our very close friend, our evangelism director. And it was on this day that he felt called to ministry. He ended, ended up entering as a new student into the very new church planning school in which we had in Diradawa. And as of today, he has already planted two churches. Significance. Significance. It's amazing how God took this imam within just a moment of time in a place called Diradawa, right off the Somali border, and ended up taking his life because he was valuable. And without knowing it, he had capacity. And when that capacity was exercised, he found significance. And right now, today, we have a modern day Paul running through the fields and the regions, those arid valleys of East Africa. You see, for every single one of you in this room today, the question is, have you positioned on a daily basis your life based upon what God concerns God? Have you aligned yourself with what God is already doing redemptively in your own neighborhood, your community, and around the world? I don't care if you're a hairdresser. It doesn't matter if you're an engineer or a student or a teacher or the primary caretaker of your family. That for every single one of us in here and watching online, the key question is, is that what is it that truly motivates you and me to be able to step forward and do much more than we are presently to ensure that every single person that we engage in our life and those that we may never meet, but we in participate ensuring that they have that opportunity, well, our lives are leaning into that. So what I'd like you to do is before Pastor Bill comes and leads us in a moment for faith promise, I would like us to do two things. And the first one is, I would like for every one of us in here and online to be able to take a moment and say, God, what is it that you were truly speaking to my heart? No matter my background, who I am, my experiences, what's made me who I am as of this day, what is it that you want to do in my life? Where do you want to lead me? And part of PCC, what is it that I can do to be part of the vision here to ensure that we really are reaching people like our imam who end up coming to faith and their lives then become very significant in terms of the instrumentality they are of being able to give God's grace away just as they've received it. So would you close your eyes with me right now and I'd like you to do something. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I'd like you just to lift your hands in front of you and keep your hands open. Would you do that across this building? And if you don't know Jesus, this is the perfect opportunity for you to be able to just to raise your hands as well as a sign of surrender. It's taking a physical step that many times ends up, ends up leading to a deeper spiritual moment and being able to say, oh God, here I am. Here is my life. Help me to align my decisions my priorities, my energies. Help me to align my skills and gifts, my finances with what you're doing redemptively. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray 
for my brothers and sisters who are here this morning and those watching by online. Lord, we this morning have considered what is it, oh God, that should truly motivate us to engage our world much more meaningfully. And to do that, Lord, we look here in the Portland area and we see, oh God, the brokenness around us. Lives that are shattered and torn, disillusioned. People that so desperately need Jesus. They need the hope of the gospel. They need to know, O oh Lord, the love of God that's found in you. And Lord, you have put your hand upon your church in order to embody your love, your grace to this very community. We pray, O oh God, align us with this task. And we also look around the world, from Africa to Asia Pacific to Latin America to Europe. We look at this vast world, O oh God, and we say, Lord, what it needs is it needs your love. It needs your grace. It needs your touch. And you've chosen to do that primarily through the lives of your people. And so here we are, surrendering to you and saying, Lord, use us. Use us, Lord, to touch this world. Because we believe and value we believe that every person has the ability to say yes to you if they were only open their heart. And that every person, no matter who they are, has been intended by you to have significance in a way, Lord, that would embody your grace and your love and compassion, both in their lives and to others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, John Easter. Dr. John, you are an amazing communicator and a gifted man of God. Thank you. Amen. You know, Paul uh, wrote to Timothy, a young preacher, and uh, his role was to pastor a local church. And he said, one version says, command the people to do good deeds. And then he went on to say, be rich in good deeds. And then he said, be generous. In your All for Jesus brochure that was handed to you today, there was a card inside of that. Would you pull that out, if you will, please? I'll explain the card in just a moment. This is an opportunity for you to be on an adventure with God over the next 12 months. And I want to encourage everyone, no matter your status in life, your income, whatever it might be, uh, your age, to consider an invitation to be a part of an adventure with God to see what he'll do in and through your life. As has been reported already this morning, Portland Christian Center reaches out to a vast number of missionaries around the world. And we actually have 68 missionary units. That's individual could be a single person or it could be a family somewhere in the world today who are serving. And in addition to that, we provide uh, for 21 ministry outlets here in the Portland area and in the region where we are helping in uh, specific areas of humanity, uh, humanitarian care or gospel preaching, building wells, establishing uh, training centers, helping Bible translation, uh, 
helping uh, trafficking, all of those things that you might think of. It, it's not just one focus here at Portland Christian Center. It's a variety of focuses. So by your opportunity of sharing in a faith promise, you and I can enjoy together the adventure with the Lord to say, what could he do in and through me? I have been in hundreds of gatherings like this, and I want to tell you, when I've heard God speak and responded, the joy and the reward are amazing. I remember a lady in this church who was on a fixed income, and she decided that she would do something that she didn't think she had the capacity to do. And so she wrote down on this faith promise card an amount that almost surpassed her total income. And to her surprise, every month, there was the extra commitment that she made come in. And she said that was a year she'll never forget. So I want to encourage you to do that. Some of you, perhaps that might be $25, $50, $100. Some of you could do 500 a thousand. You say, I've never done such a thing, Pastor Bill. In the economy as it is today and uncertainties, listen, God will take care of you and you will be rewarded. So we need today, we need everyone to participate in our undesignated missions commitment so that we can continue to support all of these individual missionary units as well as the missionary efforts that are represented, some of them in the lobby today. So I'm going to encourage you, just bow your head for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do in the next 12 months? And let me be part of the great missions outreach of Portland Christian Center. May it not just be a historic thing, but may it be a current and a future thing that I'm involved in. Help me, Lord, to be faithful and to be full of faith today. In Jesus' name. Now here's how it's going to work. I'm going to suggest that you put your name down so that we can guarantee that somebody didn't just write something because we'll build our budget around this and allow us to expand our missions family. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we had 80 or 90 individuals that we're supporting and additional missionaries? You can mark if it's new or renewed and then how much you would give weekly, monthly, or annually. So some of you are going to do something annually today. Some, some of you are going to be able to do it monthly or weekly. And if you will fill that out, if you'd like to put your email address there so that we can verify. Then on the other side is the reminder that you can put in your Bible, on your mirror, at home, in your checkbook, or however you uh, budget your funds and see what God will do. And this will probably be outside your budget, by the way. You're going to say, where is this going to come from? I don't know, but it will come from somewhere and you'll be surprised. Then take the, the, the uh, card, if you will. Separate the smaller piece you keep and the larger piece right here. As you leave this morning, there will be our host at the door and you can just place it privately and secretively in there and just between you and the Lord. This is called a faith promise. By faith, I promise to do this as God provides. So I'm believing this is going to be the largest faith promise we've ever had in the history of Portland Christian Center. Do you want to be part of that? Don't be a spectator. Be a participant. Don't sit on the sidelines. Let's see what God will do. Joy and I will not be here for the next 12 months. At least I don't think so anyway. And, uh, but we are going to do something today as well.
to just say we want to be on board with the miracle that God's going to perform. Have I given you enough time? All right, are you ready? So Lord, we lift up our card and we say this is a faith promise. We're going to walk with you and we're going to see you work a miracle financially. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching online, don't be left out. You can go to our website and uh, we'll share there with you how you can give to missions and be part of this today. Because God's speaking to someone. Someone, there's a business person whom God's speaking to right now. And you've heard this powerful message and you've uh, realized that you have not been in the game and God's speaking to you to be part of the game. And I assure you, if you take yourself or even your company into the game, you'll have an amazing story to say, that was the Sunday that changed the course of my life and why I feel I am significant in what I do. All right, let's stand together. Thank you. Let's let John Easter know how much we appreciated him being with us today. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace in your coming and going. And as you walk out of these doors today, may you know that God goes with you. And if God is for us, who can be against us? God bless you. We'll see you real soon. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us for our live streams at the 9 or 11 a.m. at live.pcctoday.com.